0: We're going to read through all of these books today, so sit tight. Uh, I want to say a couple of things real quick. I don't think this is going to hold, but... Uh, so draw your attention to these for a moment. They'll, they'll be there. Um, I want to say a couple of things real quick uh, as we get started. Uh, my name is uh, Tim, and I'm the in- interim pastor here, uh, predominantly just speaking on Sunday mornings. Um, and you'll notice, if you're new, this you, the people who are up here and you help make this happen you won't know any different. Uh, it just sort of moves on. If you've been around this community for a while and you heard David talk, you, you got the idea that there's a lot of staff transition here in this community right now. And, and I just wanna say a couple of things uh, real quick this morning in my opportunity to be with you over the last few weeks. The, the first is simply this, is that you have really an incredible amount of volunteers who are committed to really uh, helping uh, this community, one another, move forward in this mission of journeying with Jesus. And that's really tremendous, that a church can really rally together and and continue to make that mission happen. Uh, It takes a lot for not just a Sunday morning, but for lots of programming things to happen throughout the course of the week. And the church is at its best when we are doing that uh, hand in hand together. So uh, my first observation is simply to say, thank you for all that you do uh, to help one another in this journey with Jesus. The second is just to commend the staff who uh, have continued to to work that are here and continue to work to make these things happen, and the elders uh, as they prayerfully consider uh, decision making. And the prayer night coming up on Monday, as well as your continued prayers, are an incredible foundational part of that discernment process of what happens moving forward. Um, As you know, in all of your life, you can make any decision you want, and you can uh, simply wake up in the morning and have whatever cereal you want, and and at the end of the day, it might make you sick, it might not. But when you're talking about the spiritual formation of a community and and making those decisions for a larger group of people, uh, there's a weight that comes with that. And so, you praying that that weight and that burden is light for your leadership is just really really crucial and important. So, I, I just want to to say a couple of those things, and also to recognize that. Uh, transitions are difficult. Emotionally, relationally, um, we just, it never is simply as easy as moving on. And so sometimes we have to sit in those spaces for a little while to recognize that, um, yeah, change can be, change can be difficult. And my hope is that on Sunday mornings, we can continue to come together and really, as you serve one another as uh, the community of Jesus, Uh, That you're also serving the larger community around you. And that my hope is that on Sundays I can be, of continued help to grounding you to the story of Jesus, which is why we are beginning this series in the Gospel of Luke. I pretty much changed everything in the last 12 hours. So grace to our producers and our media and our slides people and Jamie who have had to adjust to me this morning. So uh, because of that, I'm going to pray. That all goes well, and then we're gonna we're gonna see how it goes this morning, okay? Uh, Father, this morning I pray that um, that as we spend time really talking about your word and what it means, that you would help us to just really uh, connect and hear and feel what it is that you wanna you wanna speak to us. And um, as we prepare for this journey with Luke to the cross and the resurrection, we we all start and come to this in different places on that journey. Some of us have been on this journey for for our whole life, we've grown up in it, and some of us uh, aren't even sure that we want to take the first step. And so, God, today we, we just pray that you help us to uh, just to hear what you have to say to us in every part of that journey. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Um. I was thinking uh, we, we talked a little bit last week, and, and I want to uh, come back to this this week for just a second. And I, I want to read a couple of passages of scripture to you um, that are going to come up on the screen. And I want to sit with it for a minute because I think it's not always easy. And I mentioned this, and I'll mention it often. There are certain things you're going to hear me say, and you'll get tired of hearing me say, simply because when I was new, uh, it took me a while to catch up. And I didn't know, like I said last week, what the Bible was, how to understand it, or where to dig into it, uh, or even what it meant. And, and I'll say I was so naive that I knew that the name Timothy, so there's a letter that's written in the Bible on the back that's called Timothy, and there's 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. I knew it couldn't have been written like directly to me, but I thought kind of like, oh, this is probably my book. Right? Because my name is Timothy. And so I thought, well, there's, there's got to be something in here, you know, specifically uh, for me. And I think when we come with the Bible, it's just so difficult to really kind of understand what it is, what it is that we're reading. So I, I want to sit with a couple of passages for just a moment and talk about them. Before we do, sorry, Mario, that's my bad. Before we do, I want to set it up this way. I, I picked some books from my, from my library this morning to illustrate this a little bit. Okay, so this is The Tale of Two Cities by Charles Dickens. I won't ask for a raise of hands of how many of you have read this book. Maybe I'll ask how many of you were assigned to read this book. That might tell us something a little different. Uh, but this is The Tale of Two Cities. That's a novel written by Charles Dickens. And if you ever read it, uh, I can't say that I have, uh, you would read this story. My wife is a huge fan. And uh, so this is a novel that sits on our bookshelf. Now, if you pick it up, what you know is that there are things in here that are going to be familiar to you in the way you read, the way people act, the way the story unfolds, but it's, it's not a true story in a sense that it's not historical. It's, it's a made-up story from the imagination of Charles Dickens, okay? So I'm going to set this to the side for a second. That's very different than for my Boston Bruins fans in the room. This is Tales from the Boston Bruins locker room, okay? from the 2011 championship, all right? So these are filled with true stories, okay, that happened along the way. Now, they may be a little bit inflated from time to time as we tell stories over and over again, but nonetheless, they are historical, relational, true true stories of people who were on that team and how that season unfolded. Very different types of reading, right? Uh, Historical, true. So when I pick this up, I should expect that I recognize if you're a fan. This is me, so you pick something that you like, right? That's from a historical point of view. If you pick it up, you should be able to recognize the people, the events, the ideas, and go, yes, that aligns with what I know and understand about these events. This one is brand new to you when you read it because it's made up. And so these things might be things you recognize, or they might be things that are just totally in the brain of the author, okay? Related to that, but slightly different, is this massive volume by Doris Kearns Goodwin. Okay? If you are a history buff, which is my background, this is called Team of Rivals. And this is about how Abraham Lincoln went about bringing people of different points of view together and kept his enemies closer than his friends. Okay? Very incredible read. It's intended to be historical, but it's also intended to pull together some, what we might call a thesis or an idea of, okay, given this person's ability, how should we think about and apply it to politics, for example, okay? So, slightly different, very different than picking up this book right here, which is a book of poetry by my great-great-uncle, Oral Hawkins, okay? And I, I would love to read you some of these because it's hilarious. My board director is a guy named Rick, and Rick likes to say, if God can take a dumb farm kid from Missouri and plant a campus ministry in Boston, then God could do anything, okay? He's speaking of me. But, and my, my uncle, my great uncle, was a teacher, and he wrote books of poetry. They're very simple, rule books of poetry or letters of poetry, but that's very different than picking up team of rivals. So when I read this, I'm not looking for leadership anecdotes. I'm, I'm letting the words sit with me, and I'm letting, them, I'm letting them create stories and visuals in my head, right? It's very different than reading Doris Kearns Goodwin. Uh, finally, I'll, uh, the last two things I wanted to share with you, uh, I've been doing, we bought a house in the summer, so we've been doing some planning for preparing to put a deck on our third floor. So... I need to know the plans, right? These have detailed plans for a dummy like me that I can go step one, step two, step three. Here are the tools I need. That's also a very different kind of book than anything else that I've ever that I've, I've showed you previously. The last thing is this. I had a leak in my boiler, okay? It's not good to go downstairs to your basement and see water sitting there. Turns out it wasn't the boiler. It was the diffuser. And I had to pick this out of the, the plastic, and read through how to fix it. Very specific. Now, these two are similar, right? But I could read this all day long and never know how to fix my boiler. Vice versa, I could read this all day long and never know the plans and the tools I need to build a deck. They have similarities, but this one is very specific to what I have and what I need in the moment. When we pick up this book right here, the question I want you to sit with over the course of this entire series through Luke is, how do, what do you expect when you pick this book up? What is your expectation? And when I say pick this book up, that's metaphorical. Some of you may have one of these physically in your hand. I think the church has books. If you prefer to have a book, uh, we can get you a physical book to take with you and read. Some of you may do it electronically, either on your phone or on your computer, but this is something we read. But the question is, what is the expectation that you come at it with? What do you expect to see? Is it is it like the book of poetry? Is it like the team of rivals? Is it like my boiler instructions? <laughs> like what? What are you? Because how you ex, or what you're expecting when you open this book, will go a long way in what you actually read and take in. And so I want to talk here at the beginning about a couple of verses about our expectation before we get into Luke a little bit. Okay, So today is going to be cut into two parts, this week and next week. And this week is predominantly going to be about how we read Luke. If you are on the email thread, there was a reading plan that went out, and I want to encourage you to read Luke through this series as we head into Easter in April. And part of that is going to be foundational today to say, okay, how do we pick it up and read it? What are we we looking for? So now, Mario, you can uh, bring one of those verses up for me. This is one of those verses I thought was directed at me in Paul's second letter to Timothy. Paul is speaking about Scripture, and when Paul speaks about Scripture... He's particularly speaking about the Old Testament, the, the first two-thirds of the Bible, the story that it's all set up in. And Paul says, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. All Scripture is God-breathed. Now, I want to write a couple of things on this paper, okay? If I write that... Somebody tell me what that symbol is. Pi, okay? How do you know this symbol is pi? Somebody told you, right? Yeah, it's a, I learned it somewhere. I don't know how I know now, but somebody told me at some point along the way. What, what language is that from? It's not English, so what language is it from? It's Greek. That is correct. So this word, all Scripture is God-breathed, Okay? I'm gonna to try to write this fairly big, okay? Okay, is this, um, oh shoot, I'm gonna start here, okay? Is, begins like this. In our English, so in Greek, this is Greek, so, I'm, so you're learning Greek this morning, so I'm gonna walk you through, okay, real quick. This is P for well, our letter P. This is a V, but in the Greek it's an N, so it's like P N. Okay, this looks like a an E, yep. And this looks like a U. Very good. So we get this beginning of this is where you would see something like the word pneumonia, right? Or you can use any other kind of word that begins with P-N-E-U. And what is pneumonia? So always be better when you talk to me. So what is pneumonia? Yeah, it's a disease of the lungs. Okay, And here's why this matters or why this is important when we're talking about Scripture. What do you do with your lungs? You breathe. So we're going to do this together real quick, okay? We're going to deep breathe. This is the breath of life. There's nothing more miraculous. You did something just then. You do countless times a day, that is the miraculous breath of life. Paul says that all scripture, that God breathes life through it. It is God breathed. Songs as as we sang today talk about. God creating. And when God created, created mankind out of the dust of the earth. And if you don't know the story, then God breathed life into mankind. It's really quite an amazing thing. Sometimes I think we pick this book up and we think we're trying to, we're trying to dissect it and read it remember it, be informed about something, but we're really (sighs) allowing God to breathe life to our soul. Okay? That's sort of point one. Next verse, Mario. The Hebrew writer, some think it's Paul, Says this, for the word of God is alive and active. Some translations have it living and active. Okay? We're gonna talk about one other word. Jamie, I'm gonna try to put this where you don't have to trip on it somewhere, somehow, or somebody will grab it, I hope. So the Hebrew writer says, for the word of God is alive or living. And active, sharper than any double edged sword, keep going. It penetrates even dividing the soul and the spirit. It divides the soul. Now think about this the word of God is able to separate the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. This word living and active, okay. Somebody tell me that letter. You guys are amazing, okay? How about this letter in Greek? (laughs) It's an alpha, okay? It's an alpha, and it's like our A. This one's going to be easy. Oh, yeah, omega. And this word, okay, is zao. Now, if you study... Oh, gosh, that's not a good Z. If you study zoology, what do you study? Study living things. What do you think the word zao means? Living, right? This is the translation. It's living and active. Now, I want you to put these two verses together for a second when you think about what you're picking up when you read the Bible. Paul says that the, the scriptures are what? Whew. God breathed, and the second one, he says that they are alive. The scripture is alive. Do you ever pick up the Bible and go, wow, that was amazing? I bet not. <laughs> I bet not very often. I bet you pick it up sometimes and go, I'm, I really need something to put me to sleep tonight. <laughs> sometimes that's how we read scripture. Scripture. And I would say that often we read Scripture that way because we're mining it for something that it isn't. We're trying to solve a problem. And so we're, we're digging all the way through here, trying to find a solution to a problem that exists. And instead, we read a poem and we go, I have no idea what to do with that. No idea. And what we fail to remember, recognize, understand, or really focus on in the church is this. The scriptures are meant to animate, to bring alive you and this community, us together. It's living and active. It penetrates. It breathes life into us. We don't read it. Well, let's talk about that for a second. As we get into Luke... I'm going to pause for a second because I need to catch up with my notes, okay? Uh, Let me add one other thought here. One of the other gospel writers, John, begins his gospel this way. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. That Word, when he begins it, again, this one more thing, okay? When he does that, he uses a word called logos, Like that, okay? That's the translation, that's the Greek word logos, which means word. But in Greek, it wasn't just like the words that you write, it was like the essence of a thing. Its very essence is the logos, okay? So John describes Jesus this way In the beginning was the very essence of God, the very essence of his presence dwelt among us, was made flesh. And dwelt among us. So here's what I want you to kind of put together. Jesus is the Word. God breathes life into mankind. Jesus is the Word made flesh that dwells among us. He is alive in these words and pages and stories. and it's intended to bring us to life. It's not intended to, to give us information. It's informative, but it's not its purpose. And it's certainly, we're going to talk about this more in just a little bit, but it's certainly not intended for us to weaponize against others. Using it as a weapon is not life-giving. It is intended to be read to bring life to this community and to our life. So again, I apologize in kind of coming back to my notes here, but I, I want to say a couple of things. Jamie, can you come up and help me real quick? I think we've got time to kind of finish with this illustration. We read the Bible this way, okay? And I want to just kind of give you some, some groundwork, and then Jamie's going to help me with an illustration here. We read the Bible as one story from beginning to end, and that story is the story of God making the world right, okay? The story of God making the world right. So when we read Luke, we're, we're jumping into that story from Genesis to Revelation of God making the world right. When we read it, we read it as our story, not someone else's story. It's our story. We read it not to inform us or to weaponize it, but to be transformed by it. We read it to be transformed by it. and I, This is one of the most important things I say to, to our staff all the time. You have to let the Bible breathe. Let the Bible breathe. We tend to read it and go, okay, now I'm going to do that today. It's like a New Year's resolution. Oh, now I'm going to be better at this. Ah, oh, no. Maybe, maybe that is what's going to happen. But we've got we've to sit and listen, read it again and again. I, I was on a sabbatical in 2015, and I read one verse every day for six months. That that was the first time I ever let the Bible really breathe. And it just, it transformed me in that time. We read it alone and in community. One of the things you'll hear me say a lot as well, and I want you to sit here with this for a second. Our faith is always personal, but it's never private. For some of you, that's going to feel very uncomfortable. Because we think of faith as this personal, private thing. And it is personal, but everything that happens when our life is transformed by this thing that's living and active and breathing life into us encounters the world, lives out in the world. Our relationships, how we treat others, what we do, and injustice. It it will work itself out in the community around us. So we read the Bible, and sorry, Jamie, I'm, I'm gonna get there. <clears throat> okay, so we read the Bible both alone and in community, you realize, right, that the printing press was only invented in the late 1400s, which meant then we could mass-produce literature, pieces of work, like on paper or, you know, whatever it was that they printed on in the printing press, which meant for 1500 years, and actually thousands of years before that, this book was read in community because a community might only have one copy. And the only way you could take it with you was to memorize it and let it sit with you it was always read in community when Jesus goes to the temple which we'll read about later in Luke he goes there and they read the scriptures in the synagogue in the community it's a community book we together sit with it and you sit with it it's personal and it's in community and finally we listen to the story like a symphony one uh, scholar, his name is N.T. Wright, he's an Episcopal uh, priest. He, he talks about this illustration. This has always been helpful for me as we jump into Luke. Luke doesn't even mention Jesus for the first 31 verses, okay? He builds on what we'll call the baseline, okay? Jamie, can you give us a baseline? This is the baseline, Okay? What Luke does is he begins to tell us a story about what happened in the Old Testament, okay? Remember, the Old Testament was written back here, okay? And now Jesus is gonna enter into this story, this baseline, something that's already moving and going, okay? And then he enters the world, so give me some, the tenor. Give me the rhythm. Give me the rhythm, Jamie. Okay, this is the rhythm of the world that Jesus enters into. Luke is going to begin when he t- starts the story, by telling us about Herod the Great. Herod the Great was the emperor of Judea. He was the king of Judea, not the emperor of Rome. He was the king of Judea, okay? So he sets the context that Jesus is going to enter into and that the Jewish people were in at the time. But then we have to ask the question, what does that mean for our day and age? So, so give me like some lead, Jamie. Not, not the melody yet, but give me a, give me a lead. We got the drums, okay? This is the rhythm of our life, okay? So we have the bass line, we have the context that Jesus comes into, but then we have all everything that's going on in our life, the noisy cymbals and the, and the drums. This is what's happening in our world. And then Jesus is the melody, okay? Give me some melody, Jamie. Now the song comes. Now we put it all together, right? The story goes on and on. Right now we put it all together. Thanks, Jamie. That's great. We have the baseline. We have the the context that that it's written in, that Jesus enters to. We have Jesus that then begins to live in that world and how we're to live within it. And very often we tend to like get focused on one piece. We don't put it all together. As we read Luke together, here's what I want you to understand. We're going to be reading all four parts all the time. We're going to be interacting with all four parts all the time. And sometimes you're going to want to say, Pastor Tim, can you just tell me how I'm supposed to live right now as a result of that? You know what I'm going to say to you? I'm going to say, let it breathe. Just let it breathe. Because what it might mean for you in that moment might be a little different. And what's happening in your life and your world, that doesn't mean that the, that the story has changed or the story is any different. But what's going on in your life right now, the passage that I sat with for six months was a passage in, in Philippians that says, Do not be anxious about anything, but with thanksgiving, make your prayers and requests known to God. And the God of peace that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That was a period of time I was really struggling with some, some anxiety. And for six months, that passage, just, I just wrote about it every day, every day, every day. But what I, what I heard in that verse, the first day I listened to it, and the last day I listened to it were very different things. Because my life had changed. Things were changing around me. The Word of God is living and active. It breathes life into you. Do it with me one more time. Deep breath. Let it out. That's how I want us to read Luke together in community. I'm going to stop there, okay? Actually, you know what? Why don't you stand with me? And we're going to read Luke, the very first chapter. Not the whole chapter, just the first seven verses, okay? Let's finish by letting this breathe into our life. nice if I had this already pulled up for you, wouldn't it? Here's how Luke begins. He says, again, we're just letting this breathe over us. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, the most excellent Theophilus, so that what you may know, so that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were children because Elizabeth, but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once when Zachariah's division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before the Lord, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of the incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled, and he was gripped with fear. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you are to call him John. And he will be a joy and a delight to you. Many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to their Lord God. He will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah. He will turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready the people prepared for the Lord. Zachariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is along in years. Let's pray. Father, I just pray that in the next several weeks, we pause often to breathe. We don't rush through the verses. We don't rush through the stories. We don't simply just mine it for the next thing for us to do but we just sit with it, we just let it breathe life into us. For some of us, I know today we enter in weary and our soul is weary. And just another thing to do and another thing we're not good at and another thing we failed at is not, not where we are and not what we wanna, where we want to be this morning. And your word isn't that. Your word is full of life. Your word divides the soul and the spirit. Your word is alive and active. So I pray over the next several weeks, that you will just do that. You will breathe life into us personally and as a community. We pray in Jesus' name.